Hi, everyone. This is your host, Greg Myers. And this episode, episode 58, is part of our special series on the digital payments tipping point. In this three-part series, I'm talking with executives from WEX's corporate payments division who partnered with the research team at The Economist over the summer of 2020 to look into the state of business-to-business payments in financial services, fintechs, and technology companies. The research found that companies that have grown most robustly during the pandemic are also all accelerating their evolution away from slow manual paper-based payments into secure, data-rich, real-time digital payments. This three-part series digs into the issues surrounding this rapid evolution in digital payments. Our first episode featured Greg Sassone, SVP of Business and Partner Growth at Wex Corporate Payments, and focused on whether banks should build, buy, or partner when it comes to adopting new technology or innovation. This episode will focus on the interchange realities that the payments industry needs to face. To wrap this series up, we'll talk with Wex Corporate Payments President Jay Dearborn about the shape of payments to come. My special guest on this episode are Dylan Jones and Lara Shen. Dylan Jones is the Vice President of Operations for Corporate Payment Solutions Division at WEX, and Lara Shen is the Director of Strategy for WEX Corporate Payments. WEX is a B2B payments technology company. Their Corporate Payments Division focuses on innovating digital payment solutions for financial institutions and fintechs, as well as large corporations that need to modernize their AP processes. We've got a great episode today, so let's get started. Hi, Dylan and Laura, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, and specifically this special series about the digital payments tipping point. Today, Dylan, Laura, and I will be talking about why the payments industry needs to look past interchange. So Dylan, Laura, thank you for being here, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. So can you both introduce yourselves and tell us about your role at WEX? Dylan, we'll start with you. Certainly. Dylan Jones here. I'm the VP of Operations for the Corporate Payment Solutions business within WEX. Corporate Payment Solutions is the portion of WEX that's focused on B2B payments largely in the United States, really catering to the AP departments at corporates and banks and fintechs that serve them. I spent just over 10 years in roles bouncing between strategy, finance, and operations largely focused on using technology to improve customer experience in financial services. So I joined WEX three and a half years ago, previously at at Capital One, and my team in corporate payments currently oversees the end-to-end client journey and the expansion of our value-added services for B2B customers and partners. So think things like analytics, uh, the onboarding of new buyers in their AP departments, supplier enablement, and engagement with merchants to process payments. Okay, Laura? Hi, I'm Laura Shen. I'm Director of Strategy and Planning within WEX's Corporate Payment Solutions team. In my role, I help shape the strategic direction of the division and help articulate the priorities as we deliver for customers and differentiate WEX against our competitors. In terms of my experience, I've spent about a decade in financial services working at City and in management consulting. I've been at WEX for over two years now, and I look forward to today's conversation. 
Great. Well, thank you both for the introductions. So the first question is for you, Dylan. Today's virtual card-powered business models rely on interchange. I mean, most of us know that. But what are the pressures that are leading people to think about life beyond interchange? Yeah, certainly, Greg. So just to set the stage a little bit, I think it's helpful to define interchange for everyone listening. So when we talk about interchange here, what we're really talking about is the portion of the card processing fees that are paid by merchants that then go back to the card issuing banks. These fees, they help cover costs of handling, fraud, and bad debt associated with lending. These fees really underpin the business model behind card payments. They're set by the card association, so think Visa and MasterCard, not by the banks themselves. But they play a critical role in creating an incentive for these banks to manage their card programs. When I think about this beyond interchange topic, I think it is important to acknowledge up front that the card model as it exists today works exceptionally well for many use cases. So I think about every time I take my corporate card out of my wallet when I'm traveling or when I use my corporate card to pay for purchases for work online, works exceptionally well. I don't think that there's a ton of pressure to change that model per se. It does a great job of enabling commerce and creating a good incentive for banks. But when we shift and we look over to the broader B2B ecosystem and we consider specifically large invoice payments, we see that by many studies, about half of all payments between businesses are made via checks today. And as little as 5% of that payment value is lending on cards. To me, that's a sign that there's some unmet need and we're missing the mark somewhere. So for many stakeholders in the ecosystem, that could be interchange. When we talk with merchants and our day-to-day operations, what we hear from merchants is that for some of these payments, particularly the larger payments, standard interchange is just too expensive. They put pressure on our teams, they put pressure on their buyers to use payment modes or or payment types that are more cost-effective for them. At the same time, we see pressure on the buyer side of this equation because buyers are investing in AP automation capabilities and they're looking to find more efficient ways to make payments and they'd like to increase the adoption of CART. So we have one side of our equation, if you will, pushing hard to increase adoption and the other side of saying, hey, I'm not seeing the value that I need to justify this price and trying to push down on adoption in favor of maybe less cost-effective methods. This is where there's a huge opportunity for us to go beyond interchange. And when I say beyond interchange, it's two things. It's can we think in a more flexible way about the pricing of these transactions between buyers and suppliers so that we can help tailor these fees or tailor the economics of this model to better meet complex trade relationships between buyers and suppliers. In addition to flexibility, I think there's an opportunity for us to go beyond interchange and think about all the value that can be created in this ecosystem, aside from the economics. So as we know, card payments can be incredibly secure. The intermediaries, both banks and the card associations, create security and take risk out of the equation. If you've spent any time with AP or AR departments, you know that the process of approving and making payments is brought with inefficiency. And if we can look beyond the economics and try and find ways to solve for that inefficiency on both sides of the equation, 
it'll give us a basis to kind of bridge this chasm that's opened up between the two parties. When I look at our business, when I talk with our partners, we're all excited about this idea of going beyond interchange and finding payment methods, financial models, and process efficiencies that work better for all parties. Okay, makes makes a lot of sense. So, Laura, this next question's for you. Given all the downward pressure on interchange rates, especially in regions like Australia and the EU, do you think interchange is reaching the limits of its ability to drive change and adoption in digital payments in the B2B space? And then second part, is there any upside left in this model? Thanks, Greg. It's an interesting topic. I think the Pressures are unique in the markets that you mentioned regarding Australia and the European Union, but I think there's a natural evolution in the U.S. with significant upside, given some of the points that Dylan raised about the rising prevalence of card for B2B transactions. So if I think about the first part of the question about looking at the EU and Australia and whether you think that's limiting interchange, I think the pressures in the EU and Australia are interesting because the ecosystem is different there than what we see in the U.S., Particularly, we see more competition across electronic B2B payment modalities, whereas Dylan mentioned in the U.S., we're still seeing 50% of B2B payments dominated by paper check. So I think that's where there is a natural evolution for the U.S. When we think about creating more penetration of electronic payment forms, it's about in the U.S. being more focused on creating a flexible product with dials to allow for payment providers to cater to a broader set of trade relationships. I don't think that interchange limits any of this. I think really it just creates more flexibility. And then when I think about the increased penetration of cards, certainly creates upside. So I think there's plenty of upside left here as we think about card adoption. This has really been accelerated too by COVID as we think about businesses trying to pivot and move away from paper checks and the manual processing. And some of this When we think about the flexibility here, some may be at a discount to current prices, but it's really a benefit to all stakeholders as we think about increasing volume on a system that can resolve process inefficiencies. So excited about the opportunity for interchange moving forward. Okay. And next question, Dylan, for you. We see some AR or accounts receivable departments are still hesitant about accepting virtual cards as payment even when the other side of the house or the AP side is actually using them to pay suppliers. So how do we push that acceptance of virtual cards, which some people say is around 5%. So how do we push that acceptance of virtual cards above that threshold? Yeah. So in its simplest form, I think that there's more investment needed on the AR side of the equation, on the merchant side of the equation around payment acceptance and payment processing. In most companies that we talk to, The AP department and the AR department are wildly separate. They report into different teams. They have different priorities, different missions. In a lot of cases, the AP department is a really energetic adopter of new payment types. One, because the interchange model and the revenue share back with these corporates in the term of card rewards allows them to kind of justify the investment that they want to make to improve their process. So these teams are focused on how do we use more card? How can we use the solutions that fintechs and banks are bringing to bear to make our process most efficient? Well, on the AR side of the house, they just have fewer technology solutions to choose from to start to automate their process. At the same time, they don't have the same set of options 
to create revenue or reduce costs to justify these large projects. So many AR departments, I won't say have been ignored, but haven't been catered to the same way AP departments have. If we want to increase acceptance of virtual cards above 5% and start to really chip away at the check volume that exists today and move it to electronic methods, a virtual card in particular, it means helping to bridge the data gap and the process gap between where the payments originate in AP departments and where they're processed in the AR departments. Many AR departments, when you talk to them, they aren't as concerned about the cost their finance partner might be, but they're concerned about the fact that they're still receiving virtual cards via email from a variety of different providers, different banks, different fintechs. In a lot of cases, they have to manually process these cards that they're receiving via email. And then in the worst case, there's an exception. There's a payment they can't reconcile. There's an amount that doesn't match what they think it should. And they have to embark on a laborious, difficult process to work with their buyer and the buyer's payment providers to figure out how to reconcile that transaction. Some investment on the AR side to help make that error handling much better, help the AR teams reconcile and help automate processing. If that's built around virtual card, I think it would do a lot to drive an uptick in virtual card adoption with these teams. At WEX, we have some technology and some tools that are focused on the merchant side. It's great to see in the market that there are other fintechs focused on this side with companies like Bill Trust or High Radius who have grown up and are deeply focused in doing what they can to improve the AR department experience. So I think there's more to come here, but investment in bridging that gap and investment in AR technology is critical to increase the use of the virtual cards. Okay, thanks, Dylan. So Jay Dearborn, the president of Wex Corporate Payments, has said if the industry wants to fast forward the movie on B2B payments, we have to look at new horizons of innovation. So this might include experimenting with different interchange products within the networks or using different bin structures to gauge customers' willingness to pay across different types of industries. So Laura, what sorts of innovation do you find promising? Thanks, Greg. I think given the pace of the market, if we fast forward, customers demand more. They're becoming more advanced. And you know what we think about going forward is you know we envision a fit-for-purpose solutions for these customers as their demands continue to evolve and their needs change. So when we think about innovation, different payment modalities, ones that already exist, will certainly play a role, as will lending. The role of intermediaries like WEX may evolve to bridge the gap between buyers and suppliers by adjusting products and services to best meet needs specific to buyer-supplier relationships, as Dylan talked about. What we found in the WEX Economist research is that 72% of respondents agree their companies need to transform supplier payment solutions to compete. And when we think about what this looks like, Capgemini's 2020 World Payments Report predicts that about 20 to 25% of accounts payable volume will be taken up by virtual cards by 2025 as check and ACH payments transition here. So how do we take what we have today and what's on our roadmap to create fit-for-purpose solutions? So if I think about that, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. There's already a lot of functionality and capabilities that provide value, but it's really about how do you mix and match what already exists. And a lot of that has to do with how are we partnering? How are we doing things differently to better meet the pain points and deliver efficiencies for customers? So I think there, there's, there's a key theme there about partnership. Um, and being able to be flexible about mixing and matching to create a holistic solution. 
And then a second part to that is we're getting smarter and customers are getting sharper at understanding the data and the payment data and patterns to optimize buyer and supplier relationships, which I think has led us down the path of more innovative bin strategies with both our customers and our partners. So those are, I would say, the partnership and then the data analytics behind it are two of the things that we'll see as we fast forward that film. Yeah, Laura, you hit on data quite a bit there, too. I think that's without a doubt one of the biggest themes that we see emerging where buyers and banks are accustomed to using one payment method or or one or two payment methods really well. But we're entering this space where access to better data about the merchants, about the payments that need to be made, are creating an opportunity for intermediaries to create more smarts in the system, if you will, so that we can provide recommendations and intelligent routing and make dynamic decisions so that it's easier for buyers to make the best payment for them. And it's easier for suppliers to dictate how they want to receive a payment and have it end up with their AR teams in that fashion. So I love that point, Laura. I think data is really important. Yeah. And Laura, so next question, if you want to start this one, the changing payments landscape, I would say accelerated change in COVID days. What does that mean to providers like WEX and corporate buyers and for banks and other intermediaries? Yeah. So when we think about that question, what does the changing landscape mean for us and others? I think successful providers need to have access to a broad set of payment options and the smarts to be able to deploy those options where they're most effective for buyers and suppliers. So bridging that quote unquote choke point that we've been talking about. For the most, this will mean partnering with other players in the landscape. So harping on the prior point about fast forwarding the story, what does that look like? Partnership and developing those smarts. So what that looks like is we'll continue to see continued investment in the space. In the WEX Economist research, 62% of respondents said that finance, including payments and commerce, will be an area of technology investment key to positioning their businesses for future growth. So providers continue to challenge one another in terms of investments and releasing new capabilities, but they also need to partner to win. Successful providers need to have access to a broad set of those options to be able to deploy them where they're most effective. So when I think about what that means for WEX as we partner with buyers, there's a lot of advantage for us given our place in the market. For those familiar with WEX, we consider ourselves to be uniquely positioned, both between a fintech where we own our tech staff, we can deploy very quickly, but we also have the financial rigor of being a financially licensed bank with over 30 years of experience. So I think we sit in the middle of things where we can move quickly, but with the trust of clients, customers, and partners. So what are we doing differently given that position? I think going forward, it's placing bets. We have a strong vision of what the market needs, and we're building towards that. And then secondly, it's about co-development and co-creation with key partners. So harping again on partnership, working with players in the market to solve the immediate challenges and streamline payments in a very quick fashion because it is challenging and things are moving quickly. And we're excited about what that creates for us and those that we work with. Yeah, if I could just add one thing to Laura, I think one of the questions that we hear often too is who will prevail, the banks or the fintech intermediaries, where they're waging a war of sorts for buyers. I think at WEX here, we partner with both. We have banks that license our software and we work with their operations teams every day. We have fintechs that we work with from a banking and a processing 
standpoint, I think there's more than enough room in the market for both. So we see banks that have privileged relationships with their treasury clients, and those relationships are something that will certainly extend into payments. At the same point, there are many, many, many corporates and and small businesses across the U.S. who are underserved. And we see fintechs emerging and really focusing on these underserved markets, one of them being new startups. And these fintechs are growing very quickly and gaining lots of traction in markets that otherwise wouldn't have access to great services. So I think it's a good time to be in the space. And 2021 will be a strong year for both types of intermediaries. Yeah, great. So Laura touched on this just a little bit, but Dylan, what are some of the priorities that you'll be pursuing in 2021? Yeah, so two things come to mind. We're always focused on growth. Wex is a growth company. Corporate payments is a growth sector. What growth means for us, first and foremost, is gaining access to new buyers. Our role is doing everything we can to create a solid customer experience and a solid technology foundation for them to onboard buyers and start to help those buyers optimize their payments. So first and foremost, working with new partners to get new corporates on our systems. And then beyond that, we're looking to grow our acceptance footprint. So today, checks still make up a large portion of the B2B flows. And cards are really, by some measures, less than 5%. Our operations teams kind of focused on supplier enablement and focused on payment delivery are out in the market talking to merchants, understanding how merchants accept payments with the hope of ramping up the number of merchants that we know how to pay on our platform and growing the network that we're able to reach for the buyers and partners that use our systems. We can't do that all on our own. It's a big market. So we also rely heavily on partnerships to help us understand the needs of merchants and grow acceptance. Thanks, Dylan. And I think I'll come in with a little bit of the perspective of stepping back from the more specific is when we think about Wex Inc. going into 2021, you know, we're thinking about scale, not only bridging the choke point and beyond, but leveraging the other assets within Wex Inc. Dylan and I both work within corporate payment solutions, but Wex is a leader in B2B payments with expertise in other business units, including fleet, healthcare, and travel. So it's about how do we bring that expertise to bear for customers across the board and create more synergies and find more opportunities as we increase scale over time. I would harp again on Dylan's point about growth. Coming out of 2020, WEX will continue to be aggressive in the marketplace while last year in 2020 presented a host of challenges. It accelerates our focus and momentum in payments. So we're excited about what we have in our pipeline and new partnerships. And then the third point I would would bring up is innovation. We have an ambitious roadmap and look forward to introducing a wide host of new capabilities in the market, expanding our product set to our customers and perspectives. So Thinking about the topic at hand of looking past interchange, I think interchange and beyond, there is incredible opportunity and offers us at Wax and our partners significant momentum into the new year. Okay, great. So Dylan, Laura, we've covered a lot of ground today. So I wanted to thank you both so much for being on the show. I really appreciate all your insight. So thanks again for your time and for being on the show. It's been a pleasure, Greg. Uh, Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure. And thank you to everyone for listening as well. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. For more information about how to reach Dylan and Laura and the links to the Digital Payments Tipping Point Research Study and the landing page, please visit our show notes. 
And as I previously mentioned, this is the second of three episodes about the Digital Payments Tipping Point sponsored by WEX. The next episode will be available in February with special guest Jay Dearborn, president of WEX Corporate Payments. Together, we'll be discussing the shape of payments to come.